Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. as well. Um, so good to be here with you again. I tell you, I just love uh, the Word of God. I just love doing ministry, and it's just so um, such a fulfilling thing. So I appreciate you being here each and every week and making um, this a, a part of your week. I mean, it's, I think it's just such a great week, way to start. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 1. Uh, before we get started, I want to make four announcements. Uh, sorry about this, but one is uh, we're trying to do a big push for the youth golf outing. Uh, I just signed up my team today. Uh, I want you to know I stink at golf, so if you stink at golf, you can play, all right? This costs a little bit of money, but the money will be going uh, towards helping the uh, teens and their event, um, and a lot of their missions trips and all that stuff, youth camp. Uh, youth camp itself costs like over $300 a kid now, so it's, it's quite expensive, so these little things help with that. And uh, the nice thing is on the golfing thing, if, you're, if you stink at it, um, they sell a bag of cheats, you know, and they're like $10 a bag and stuff, so I was wanting to buy a bunch of those. Uh, just for whole one. I think it would help me, you know. So if you're able to do that, we'd love to have you be part of it. They're also offering putt-putt for those of you who may not want to do the full golf thing, um, but there's a meal provided with those things as well. So please sign up. It's on the app. We'd love to have you be a part of it. Second thing is this, is we've been talking about next step classes, or for those of you who want to become members of the church, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Even if you don't want to become a member, but just want to know a little bit about what the Wesleyan Church believes, or what uh, Dayspring Wesleyan is sort of what our mission is and all that, it's a great way for you to be a part of that. Now, here's what's happening on the next one. It's next Sunday night. Uh, we're doing two classes together. So, um, and the reason why is because of the way our schedule works. You have to do those two together. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, please go out in the lobby today after service. Sign up at the information booth because we're providing a meal with that one as well because it's going to be like a two-hour one instead of an hour one, uh, which we're normally used to. So I'd love to have you be a part of that, and I'll be doing those classes. And then I want to remind you, especially as a church, we have four mission verbs at this church. And what we use are reach, grow, worship, and serve. And what we're trying to do is every year we try to take one of the words and we try to make an emphasis for it. It's not that we're not still doing the other ones, but we try to make an emphasis. So last year we did the word grow. And it wasn't about just like growing physically, but it's about growing spiritually. And we wanted to really step into small groups, so we started this eight-week curriculum on Sunday nights. It went really well. We had over 200 people that were there the first night, and it just went fantastic. Um, it started dwindling down to about 150 by week eight. So we realized that people would probably be better for a four-week course. So that's what we're doing this year. We'd love to have you be a part of this on Sunday nights. You'll be put into a small group. We're going to be doing the book of Philippians. And uh, so during the morning worship service, we'll be talking about that, that uh, chapter of Philippians because we're on four weeks, so four chapters. And then at night, we'll be watching some videos and be having some discussion around your small groups. Now, before all that happens, though, we're having a meal together that is provided to you for free, which, again, is a fantastic time for you to get to know some of the new people and enjoy a meal together. Um, now, some of you might say, well, I have kids or I have teens. What am I supposed to do with them? <gasps> We've already thought about that. All right. So here's the deal. So kids are going to be working on the Christmas musical that they'll be sharing during Christmas time. And then teens are actually going to be doing the same study in their area. And then if you have really young ones... We're going to be opening up the uh, play zone as well, and we're going to have people watching that. So, again, we're trying to take away all those excuses, trying to make it as easy as can be, but it would really be a good thing for all of you to step up into. So, remember, that starts September 24th. Go for four weeks right in a row. 
Uh, the last thing is this. We have a really cool opportunity this year. Uh, we're part of the Wesleyan Church. And as part of the Wesleyan Church, we have some denominational things that take place every once in a while. They're going to hold what we call our ordination service here on September the 10th. So I want you to write down that date. September the 10th at 6 p.m., they're holding the ordination service. For those of you who don't know what ordination is, what happens is when you study for ministry, you feel the call to ministry, you right away get hooked up with some district pastors. Um, they help you as you prepare in college. Then they meet with you when you get back. And then they, too, decide if they agree with your calling. Then if they agree with your calling, at the end of a period of time, they'll say, we're, gonna, we're ready to ordain you. And then what happens is, basically, instead of just being Pastor Chuck, you also get the title Reverend, which means that we have um, ordained you and thought, you know, thought you're called to ministry. Cool thing is this. We have one of our own going to be ordained at that service. So I would really love to show our support for that. And that's going to be Pastor Dylan, who's a lot of times in the back, and you heard him share for a couple weeks up here. He's being ordained this year. Now, as part of the ordination service, um, our general superintendent, which is um, sort of in charge of our denomination, he is going to be here to do the ordination service that night. Now, I thought I would call him and see if he would come in the morning and share with us as well. And from what I understand, he has agreed to do that. So he's going to be with us in our two morning services, sharing the word as well. And what's really cool about that, he, this guy had a church of 2,400 when he was in the, when he was the pastor. They planted 10 churches, and one of the largest churches in the Western denomination is one that they planted, which is in um, uh, Georgia. So anyways, that's pretty cool that he's going to be here and sharing with us. And so that's a, um, may not be as big deal for you, that's a big deal for me. So I'd love to have you here. We're going to be having baptisms that morning as well. So it's going to be a really cool sort of weekend. So September 10th, mark that down. Um, again, so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at <clears throat> Jonah chapter 1. And uh, I said I would do this, so I'm going to give somebody a hard time real quick, okay? So, uh, Jonah, I want you to come up here real quick, okay? Don't make me come over there and get you, all right? So come here. Hurry, hurry, man. Like, you used to be fast. It's like you could sprint and stuff, like, okay? So his mom set you up. So um, this is Jonah. His mom is um, my uh, administrative assistant, and she keeps me on task and stuff. But we're studying the book of Jonah, so I wanted to give a face. For Jonah, okay, all right. So this is Jonah. Now, by the end of this lesson, this is what we want you to know: don't be a Jonah, okay? You got that? Do not be a Jonah, all right? Okay, thanks. That's it, man. That was that was easy in class. Are you okay with that? Do you want to stay up here? Oh, he he said he hate me. Do not be a Jonah, all right? You can't hate like that, okay? So we just lost a member of our church. Um, just to let you know. So. <laughs> Anyway, so we're going to be talking about Jonah, and uh, man, I tell you, uh, when I was thinking about what series I wanted to go next to, uh, the Holy Spirit, or as I like to call her, my wife, um, said uh, that, uh, man, I'd love for you to do uh, a study on Jonah. And so I thought, well, I'll do that, and I thought, I'll, I'll just do it in one week. Uh, then I got into it, and I was like, oh no, this is going to take a little bit longer. So we're going to do four weeks on Jonah, because I think there's a lot there to unpack. But here's, here's the funny thing. When I was studying um, Jonah, a lot of things just come to memory like from when I was a kid you know in the whole story of Jonah like when you think about Jonah you think about what the whale right he was, he was sucked up by a great fish like that's the story now a lot of people have a problem with this story because of that one thing they tried to decide if that was a real event or if this was just sort of a story to explain something okay so some people they want to explain this away now if I was to take that Jonah story and tell you basically the translation we use well but the translation is a great fish or a big fish is what um, sort of sucked him up. We don't exactly know what kind of fish it was, 
Um, but I do know scientifically there have been people that have proven that a human can be swallowed up by um, certain kind of whales or even certain kind of sharks and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not going to experiment with it or anything. But uh, they said that this can, in fact, happen. Now, I am not concerned about that issue, though. I don't need to explain it to you. And let me tell you why. The reason is, um, I don't think the issue is the problem with the, the great fish or the Jonah story. I think if you have a problem with the Bible, you're going to find it pretty much in chapters 1 and 2. All right? Because in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, we read what? We read that God created. All right? He created the heavens, the earth, created the water, the land, created all the animals. And then in chapter 2, we get to hear more about that creation when he created man. Now, here's the issue. If you can believe that God created man out of nothing, then you have no problem believing that God can create a fish that can swallow a human. Amen? All right? And so our issue has to be back here. So if this is what we believe is that God is creator, then nothing is impossible for God. So I can easily move on to the story, and it's not a big deal. Matter of fact, uh, as, as a child, I'm amazed how much I can just believe and accept. And it's like the older I get, I have to explain everything away. I don't need to explain away the miracles of God. If God does a miracle, it's a miracle. And I, that's what I believe. All right? So anyway, so you're not going to convince me off of that, but that, that's sort of where I'm at. Now, getting into the story of Jonah, because again, this is all I cared about was him getting swallowed up by a fish and then the fish spitting him out. And I was like, that's just crazy. Okay, but then you read the story about Jonah, and what you're going to quickly discover is, there's no other way to say this, but Jonah's a real jerk. All right, not that Jonah. He's okay, all right? But the Jonah in the Bible is just a, a jerk, man, and he's a prophet. Like, he's the, he's the one that hears from, uh, from God, and then he goes gives a message to people. But what you're going to find out through the course of the story, even to the end, is Jonah is just not all who he needs to be, okay? So we're gonna, that's why I say don't be a Jonah, because uh, at the end of it, we're going to see all about that. So anyways, we're going to get into chapter one here. Uh, but I want you to know that my son started football this week. And as a result, he has practices from six to eight in the evening. And I would take him to practice. And then what I would do is I would come here to the church and I would just do some time studying and then we'd pick him up at the end. Now, some people don't like to come to the church at night because they think it's creepy. All right. They think that like, because if you come into a big building like this, you hear all the sounds, all the creaks and all the things. You know what I mean? And so you hear all that stuff. I love coming to the church at that time because no one else is here. All right. And it's not that I don't love people. I just need some time to study and to think. And so I just love it when I just have sort of that, that quiet time to get together. Now, I have been put in situations where the church has been creepy to me at times. Okay. I was once asked believe this or not, when we had the old sanctuary over there, um, there was a funeral, and they needed to leave the body here at the church. And the rule in Ohio was that somebody has to be with the body. Uh, and so the young pastor got picked to stay with the body. So there's the body up front, and there's Pastor Chuck uh, sleeping uh, in a sleeping bag on the ground. And you want to hear about hearing sounds that night. All right. I'm like, I was so afraid that God was going to raise this guy from the dead right there, you know, like, and then I would die because that would just be too much. All right. Like, so anyways, so I'm kind of used to that stuff, but I came in on, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday. And as I was taking just a couple of steps, all of a sudden I heard um, a, a, a voice 
And I have to tell you that I thought when I came in that my car was the only car in the parking lot. So um, just to make sure, I did um, another check of the parking lot and I saw no other cars. So then I took another step and heard a voice again. Uh, I stopped, paused, waited, nothing. I take again, and it's, it just felt like every time I was taking a step that I was hearing a voice. So of course, being the spiritual person I am, I said, here I am, Lord. You know, what, what do you need? And so then I began to follow that voice because I really wanted to hear from the Lord. And this is what the Lord told me. Your batteries are low. All right, that's, that's what the Lord told me. <laughs> and, so, and so obviously it wasn't the Lord. It was some toy or something in the kids' area that kept saying battery low, battery low. You know, and so, because I didn't know if I need to get out of the ministry for a period of time because I just need to charge it up or what. Uh, so anyway, so that, that was my experience. Uh, well, I have to tell you, there are definite times in my life where I have felt or heard the word of the Lord. And it has been in such a significant way that there is no way that I could not respond to that word. And it hasn't been like an audible voice unless it's come from somebody else or a piece of music. But it's just been kind of in those still quiet moments where the Lord has impressed something upon me where I felt like I needed to respond in one way or another. There have been times when I have been in my car and I've been listening to music. And I have to tell you, it's not even Christian music, but sometimes God will take a secular song and there will be a word or phrase in there and God will just kind of get my attention and say, focus there. Listen to this, because this is what I'm trying to talk to you about. There have been times that I've been in situations, I've been talking to people where God has impressed me to say a certain thing or a certain phrase or to ask somebody if they need prayer and they respond very positively. There have been times that I've been sleeping at night and I'm um, all of a sudden awakened and a person will come to my mind and I will begin to pray for them. And then the next day, if I still remember the morning, I will call them, check up on them or send them a note and just say, hey, just um, you were on my mind today. I was thinking about you. And oftentimes they will say, man, Pastor Chuck, I can't believe you called today because this or this happened this week or I've been struggling with this this month or this year. And I'm so glad you called. See, those are impressions by the Lord. And then we're sort of responding to that call. And I have to even tell you, there have been times that I have been driving and have been, I think, so, um, I don't, maybe depressed is, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but just feeling low about myself in ministry and not, not feeling if, 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 if I'm worth um, doing this work, if I really know what I'm doing, um, maybe a situation I've been in life. And I, for whatever reason, on a cloudy day, uh, a, a beam of sunlight would just hit me in such a way that it just feels like that's the glory of the Lord and just saying, I love you. I trust you and I value you. You know, so I appreciate those moments so much. And I think for many of us, it's hard to recognize when something comes from the Lord or not. But I've often thought to myself, like I remember and, and still remember, um, there are times that my mom or dad would say my name or they would yell a phrase or they would say something. And the tone of their voice, I knew if I was in trouble, if I was going to have to help them, or if this was a good thing. All right, because I had been around them enough, I recognized the voice, I recognized sort of some of the phrases they used that I would be able to tell, do I need to run, hide, or go to them? You know what I mean? Like, like you're dealing with all that in your mind. And I have to tell you that I think if you and I spent more time with the Lord, 
I think that you and I would be able to recognize his voice in a deeper and more prophetic way. You know, and that comes through reading his word and finding out what he's all about. That comes through times of prayer. And not just us communicating with God, but us listening to God for a moment in which he can say, hey, Chuck, this is what I'm telling you today. This is the way I want you to go. These are the people I want you to call or whatever. And it's just being sensitive to him. But the more I spend time with him, the more I recognize his voice. And his voice can come through song. It can come through another individual. And even sometimes just out there in nature. When I'm with the Lord, I feel his presence. And I know that this is what I'm called to do. So let's read together, because Jonah has heard from the Lord, and now he has to decide what to do with it. <coughs> it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? Then they, uh, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, <clears throat> Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Let's pray together. Father, it's amazing the way that your word speaks to people, and it's amazing the way you impress us at times to take that word to others out there. I know that many times when I've read this story, I've been just so enamored by the fact that Jonah was in the belly of a well. But Father, the importance of the story is greater than that. And it's to recognize, I think, that at times all of us get swallowed up by the things of life. All of us have a tendency to run from your word. And all of us at times can be a Jonah. And I pray, Father, that today that we will learn what it's like to follow you, to understand you, to step into the things that you've called us to do. Father, if there's anything that I would get incorrect today as we're studying your word, I pray that you would clean it up with the ears of your people so that the only voice they hear today is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So I've really enjoyed um, reading these um, sort of stories about Jonah and recognizing everything that he came from. And again, I have to tell you that this story just amazes me. When we get into verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before us. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I mean, this man is a prophet. So words come to him from the Lord, and his responsibility is then is to take that word and to talk to the people about it. But he gets this word about going to Nineveh, and man, all bets are off. He doesn't like the people of Nineveh. I mean, these were Assyrians, and Assyrians were so cruel in the way they treated Israel. And not only were they cruel, but they had all these false gods that they gave into. They were very arrogant. They were a proud people and thought they could just take over everything with all these false gods. And Jonah didn't like that at all. He didn't like those people. He didn't want to go to those people. So when the word of the Lord came to Jonah and it said, go to Nineveh, Jonah's like, I'm not doing that. I mean, can you imagine that? Like your whole job is to take what the Lord gives you and go and take it. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And I thought to myself, and again, the reason he wanted to go is he, and, and we're told way later, and I don't want to get into that yet, but Jonah just didn't like these people. And so he said, I'm not going to do it. And I've often thought to myself, like, what do you and I do when we hear from the Lord? What do we do with the word of the Lord, like when it comes? Like if the Lord calls us to go talk to somebody, do, do we step into it or do we walk away from it. If God tells us to go speak to a certain people or, or a certain group, do we, do we walk into that and we say, I'm going to talk to those people? Or do we begin to evaluate them, judge them, and say, they don't deserve that word from the Lord, so there's no way that I will ever take that word to them? Do you and I hear from the word of the Lord and we're impressed to call somebody and yet we just stay there and do nothing with it? When the word of the Lord comes, and sometimes it can come in just such a grace-filled way, where you're feeling so down about yourself, and the word of the Lord comes to you and says, you're valued, and do some of you just sort of cast that aside and say, no, 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 how can God value me? I'm nothing. There's all this wickedness in my life. How can God love me? And we just sort of reject those words from the Lord. Like, what do you do with the word of the Lord when it comes? Are you willing to listen, to accept it, and step into it? When the word of the Lord comes and it says, and you're reading his word, and you're in that word, and all of a sudden there's a, a phrase or something is talking about, and you're like, oh, that's me, that's me. Do you sit there and you sit in that moment? Do you repent sort of of your sins and ask God to fill you? Or do you just say, you know what, I'm going to go to another thing that I agree with more. Like, what do we do with the word of the Lord when it comes to us? We get into verse 3, and it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After, pray, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Again, this amazes me because Jonah hears the word of the Lord. He knows what his responsibility is. Instead of stepping into it, what does he do? He runs from it. So Jonah ran from the word of the Lord. Do you understand that? Like God, his boss said, here's what I want you to do. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I mean, can you imagine saying that to your boss? Like your boss asks you to do something and you say, mm-mm, not me. I'm not doing that. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You know, it's like me being a pastor, you know, and uh, I look at people and I'm like, man, these people aren't nice. Some of them don't look good. 
Some of them don't smell good. Some have looked at me funny at times. And some have fell asleep when I've spoken. And I'm not going to talk to them anymore. You know, Lord, I don't care what the message you said. I'm out of here, you know, and just walk away from it. You understand? I mean, it's, it's that craziness, you know. Um, and here Jonah is, and he says, I'm not doing that. Matter of fact, I'm going to run away from it. And not only does he run away from it, I mean, he goes as far as humanly possible in his mind. He's like, Nineveh's over here. I don't want to do what the Lord said. So I'm going to get on a boat. And it says that he gets on a boat. And it says he basically, tra- he's trying to travel like 2,500 miles away from Nineveh. That's how much he doesn't want to be around them. Okay? I mean, that is a long ways to go. And he doesn't, he doesn't want anything to do it. Matter of fact, if you think about this sort of in our times, by the way, where Nineveh is, is probably in Iraq somewhere. And ISIS is probably where that's taking place today. And so, so some of them think there's still spiritual things happening there today that probably started way back when. All right? Israel, Assyrians, didn't get along. All right? And so there was no reason to... So he's trying to run as far as he can away from the Lord. And I thought to myself... Why do we run from the Lord's word? You know, Jonah ran because he didn't like the people. He didn't think they deserved it. But why do you and I run away from the Lord? I mean, it's an interesting question, right? And I I sat there with uh, two of my kids the other day and I said, Hey, when you guys hear from the Lord, why do you think people run away from it? And they're like, Dad, they're probably afraid. And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. And that's why today when I heard um, part of one of the songs and it says that fear, I won't be a slave to fear. Like, I love that phrase because I think fear paralyzes us so many times. We're like, oh, I don't want to do that or I don't want to say that because I'm afraid of somebody's response. Like, if I share my testimony about Jesus with somebody else, how are they going to respond? Are they going to look at me like you're a fanatic or you're crazy or a cuckoo? Or or are they going to want to get in an argument with me? Like, what's that going to look like? And so we're afraid to step into that because there's a fear of that. I remember I was was sitting in a um, a seminar once, and this guy was talking to our, like, 10,000 teens at the time. And when he was talking to 10,000 teens, what he said is, he was trying to talk to them about sharing their faith or sharing their testimony or sharing their story about how they came to Christ. And he asked the question, like, why don't you guys share your testimony with other people? And it was all those reasons. It's, I'm afraid to. I'm afraid how they'll respond. I'm afraid that I'll do it wrong. I'm afraid that I don't have enough knowledge. I'm afraid that I'm going to basically lose this. And I'll never forget this statement to them. Because this is what he said. He's like, look, he said, I just want you to know that you don't need to be afraid because this is not a battle for you to win or lose. This is a battle for the Lord. And I thought, man, that is such a powerful statement. You see, because I have to realize that I cannot do all this stuff on my own. Like, this is only by God's help that anything happens. Like, God just wants a willing vessel to be go up there, and he wants us to speak sometime. He wants us to share our stories because it may resonate with somebody else. And even if somebody responds harshly, they're not responding harshly to me. They're really responding harshly to God. This is not my battle. It's the Lord's. I don't know how many times that I've told people, I've gotten up in a, in a, in a, and shared a sermon, and I get down, and my wife will say, how do you think that went? And I'm like, oh. And I mean, I'm just embarrassed. I'm like, that was the worst sermon I've ever shared. And I mean, I just feel so defeated. And, and it's funny because after I share a message like that, you don't know how many people come up and say, man, that message really spoke to me today. 
And I'm like, well, that's good. You know, and it's, it's a humbling and worthy thing. Why? Because it's not about me as the pastor. It's about God's word and it's about his spirit working in your mind, in your heart, in your life. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just a vessel that gets up here from time to time. And we're even going to hear in the story later that Jonah gives this message and it's terrible. And yet people respond. So we'll get into that another week because it's awesome. All right. But anyways, and, and God, could God have used somebody else? You bet. But God wanted to use Jonah for this story. And so why do we run from it? I think that sometimes we are afraid. I think that other times we feel like we're not equipped. But again, you have to recognize that's the power of the Holy Spirit. He will do the work. Well, I'm afraid that it's going to be awkward if I call somebody because I felt like I got impressed. It's okay. Sometimes people just need to be reached out to anyways. Like, go ahead and make the call. You know, some of us are afraid that we won't do it right. Some of us, and some of us are like John. Some of us look at, at somebody and we say, well, they, they don't deserve that message. They don't deserve that word. Do you know how foolish that is? So we get in the rest of the story here, and we're, in, and we're in verse 4 now through 5. It says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and it was such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he laid down, and he fell into a deep sleep. Now that's amazing to me, because it's like, these guys were fishermen. They're used to all the storms. They're used to this. And they think that this storm is so violent and in such a way that they believe that this isn't a natural storm. They believe that this is only something that could come from a God. And they had a belief in many different gods. And that's why they're praying to different gods. And matter of fact, they believe that there was a God of the sea. And this God of the sea was probably trying to cause this storm. And they says that they grew so afraid that they thought that they need to get some rid of some of the weight in the boat. And so they got rid of some stuff. They started apologizing to all the gods they knew. And um, man, and Jonah is what? Jonah is asleep in the bottom of the ship. And this is what I want you to think about because I think what we find out about Jonah is this. Others suffered because of Jonah's disobedience. God wasn't even after these other guys. He was trying to get a hold of Jonah. And yet because Jonah didn't respond to the word in the right way, these other men were suffering and they were fearful for their life. You know, how many times have we caused others problems because you and I don't respond like we need to? I mean, how long will others have to suffer before you will respond to God's word? How many of you will let your marriage fall apart before you'll ever ask God to step in, before you'll ever take time to pray to him and ask him to fix things? How long will some of your children suffer with some of the things of this world because you won't step in and say something now? I mean, I think about it all the times, but man, our, our, <laughs> we have such a priority in life on certain things. And I'm like, I, I love sports, I love music, I love all these kinds, I love the, 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 the studies and all that stuff. But when they get to heaven and they stand before God, God's not gonna ask them, how many yards did you get in the football game? He's not gonna ask them, did you hit all the right notes in band? He's not going to ask him about their grades. What he's going to ask him is, did you ask me into your life? Did you ask me to forgive you of your sins? 
And I'm not saying that any of that other stuff is wrong, but when we don't put God as a priority, man, we got a problem and we need to step into that. How many people in your life will suffer because you never shared the truth with them? It's interesting to me because in the sort of this storm and, and, and Jonah sleeping, the captain comes, he's like, hey, dude, wake up. You got to get up, like pray to your God as well. We're praying to all of our gods. Let's make sure everything's covered because something is going wrong here. And so as they're praying, what's interesting is we don't even read that Jonah prays. Like Jonah doesn't even want to talk to God. Why? He already knows what God wants to say. And he's still not willing to step into that. All the other guys are praying, and yet he's not willing to step into it. And I have to tell you, church, there have been times in my life where I've thought to myself, how many people will go to hell because I didn't share my testimony or I didn't share my story with them? And because of me not sharing their story, they will perish and spend eternity in hell. There was a story I shared for a service that has been one of the most probably life-changing events for me, but there was a guy by the name of Ray Baldoff when I was growing up. He was one of my dad's clients. My dad's an accountant. And during one summer, I would take, or during school year even, I would, I would take some of the documents to various places and I would drop them off and uh, every once in a while we'd get to know some of the people. Uh, Ray Baldoff had this kind of machine shop that he owned and um, from looking at him, man, he was pretty like, his hair was disheveled, his, he, he didn't wear great clothes, and um, you would have thought this was a guy of probably not, not a lot of wealth, and I found out later that he had more wealth than I knew. Um, I would come in, and, and uh, I would bring him his stuff, and at, at the age of 16, he would be like, hey, Chuck, you want a beer? And I'd be like, oh, no, I better not, you know, and, and he's like, yeah, your dad would kill you, I already know. And so he was just testing me with stuff. He would, he would joke with me. He was funny. I loved being around the guy. And matter of fact, when I would deliver to him, I would sit there and stay for like 20 minutes or half an hour. And I got to know this guy in such a way that every once in a while he would say, hey, Chuck, we're going to go out to eat. And I'd say, you're going to drive. And, and uh, he would have me in these great cars, and he would let me drive these cars. And I didn't want to drive them because I was afraid I'd wreck them. And I remember the first time he took me out to eat, he was like, hey, man, we're going to have to go for pizza. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And he's like, because we're going to work our way up. All right, and then, so he would take me to different restaurants that were more expensive and more expensive, and it was just really this cool time. Well, when I was a senior in high school, my dad's office got a call, and they said, um, Ray wants to see Chuck. And so I, um, uh, you know, ran over to his machine shop there on 309, and I walked in there, and he said, hey, man, you're graduating, huh? And I said, yeah, and he's like, I want to give you a gift. And giving me a gift, he, he's like, you got your choice. He, gave, he laid this $100 bill down, and he laid this um, um, sort of trinket. It looks like it went on a necklace or whatever. It was like a coin shape. And he said, you can either have um, this $100 bill or you can have this, this trinket right here. And he says, which one do you want? And I said, well, I'll take that. I'll take that coin. And he said, why did you take that coin? And I said, well, I said, I want to have something to remember you by. And he's like, man, your dad's going to kill you. You just gave up a $100 bill, you know? And then he looked at me and he said this. Uh, not looked at me. He looked at his buddy and said, hey, man. He said, Chuck's not so dumb after all. Which I was like, what? What was that? And what he told me later, he's like, that gold coin will be worth more than that $100 ever will be. And it was like a fourth ounce of gold that I got. And I know that it has a lot of value. But the value that it has and what I could sell it for doesn't compare to the lesson that I learned over time. Um, because when I went to college, I was studying for ministry. And I knew that I was going to be a pastor. I knew that I needed to share my faith with somebody. And 
I loved Ray so much that I wanted to make sure that I shared Jesus with him. And so when I got back from college, I went and I made sure that I delivered some stuff there. And I asked his buddy, I said, where's Ray? And he's like, oh, he's out. You know, he'll be out for a little bit. And I said, okay. Came back again, came back again, and he was always out. <clears throat> what I found out later is this, is that Ray had, um, I think it was cancer. And he was dying of it, and he didn't want anybody to see him in that shape. And so he didn't want anybody to see him. Um, Ray passed away. And I never shared Jesus with Ray. And so today, when I look at that coin, that coin is a reminder to me that I missed an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody I loved. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to waste that opportunity again. And so that's what that coin means to me. How long will people have to suffer in this world before you and I will take the time to share God with them? We get into verses 6 through 17. And it's interesting again because they tell Jonah, they say, Jonah, they say, get up, pray your God. Um, as they begin to pray, it seems like things are getting crazier and crazier. And again, these guys are scared. They know what storms are all about. And they get afraid. These guys are all praying. Jonah's not. Then they decided, let's cast lots. Or basically, let's, let's throw some dice around. We'll throw the dice around. Whoever they land on, we'll know that that person is at fault. And so I can imagine Jonah the whole time as they're tossing the dice. Please, please, no, 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 no. Don't let that land on me. And then all of a sudden, it lands on Jonah. And he's like, you got to be kidding me, God. Like, you're selling me out right here in front of all these people, you know? And so it falls on them, and then they're like, what'd you do? Where are you from? Like, they're asking him all these questions because they want to figure it out. And he's just pretty nonchalant about it. He's like, okay, look, uh, I'm a Hebrew, and he says, I believe, and this is a great statement. He says, I believe in both a God that is a God of the land and the sea. In other words, they, they already knew that uh, they knew the God of the Hebrews and they saw him as a God of the land, but they didn't really see him as a God of the sea. And so now these people get to see him as a God of the sea, which means he is God over everything. Like this is creating his lordship. Like he is control of all things. So Jonah, it's a good statement. Says it pretty nonchalant, but and it hasn't, by the way, either repented or prayed. Who are the ones praying? The heathens, the pagans, the people on the boat that believe in all these other gods, they're the ones that are praying. All right? And yet Jonah is not. And so here's my question. Who responded better to God? The praying pagans or the pouting prophet? All right? I mean, even after this fell on him, they're like, we cannot, because Jonah says, well, just throw me over in the, in the storm. Become, they're like, if, if this is his God, we can't throw this guy over because then their God will be mad at us and he will destroy us. And it took everything within them to throw him overboard. And what, I, what I'm afraid of this is this church. Because I think this story is so illustrative of what we have to be careful of even today. Is that the praying pagans responded better than the pouting prophet. And I want you to know, church, we're going to be in trouble when the world responds better to issues than we do. We are going to be in trouble when the, when the world loves better than we do. When the world shows more grace than we do, we're in trouble. When the world works harder than we do, we're in trouble. 
when the world is more committed in their marriages and their families than we as believers are, then we are going to be in trouble. And here's what will happen. Because you and I have got to be careful of how we respond. Be careful how you respond to God's word because a pagan might either call you out or they may throw you out. I mean, the captain called him out, right? He said, hey, get up and pray. And he doesn't even respond to it. Here's the crazy thought. Jonah knew that when he would be thrown over, that he was probably going to do what? Die. Did he think a great fish was going to come up? No. He probably thought he was going to die. And you know what he thought to himself? I would rather die than go to Nineveh. That's crazy. You know how crazy that sounds? How crazy does that sound if I would say, I would rather die than to share God's love with so-and-so? And yet it happens all the time. And if you and I don't follow God's word correctly, people will know and they'll call us out for it. They'll say, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you supposed to react this way? Aren't you supposed to love this way? Aren't you supposed to do that? And I'm not saying they're always right 100% of the time because I know that we'll share some stories and people are kind of crazy out there. But there's some times that we need to be called out. And when I'm talking about that people will throw us out, I'm not talking like Jonah where they probably picked him up and just threw him out as far as they could. But I'm talking about that people may no longer listen to us. We may lose our voice because they don't think we care. And so they're going to throw out every word that we've ever shared. You see, when these people threw Jonah out and the storm calmed down, they began to sacrifice to the God that they knew who was true. And when you and I share our testimonies and we share the word of God with others and we let the word of God speak to us and it changes our life, the storms calm. Not that they don't keep coming up, but the way we respond to the storms is completely different. And people take notice and they want to follow that as well. You see, church, I hope like me, I hope that all of you will say, I don't want to be a Jonah. But I want to be a person <laughs> that recognizes a name like Ray. And I say, that guy needs to hear the word of the Lord. And I'm going to make sure I share my story. I'm going to make sure I share my testimony. I'm going to make sure that I treat people right. So that way, no one else has to experience what I did. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Father God, I know that today that as we're sharing the story and, and, um, and recognizing your word and the power that there is in it and the things that you do for people. And even in the story of Jonah, it was just so ridiculous in his response to you. And yet, Father, I can't help but think how ridiculous I've been in hearing your word. When there have been times that I haven't shared the way that I needed to, or I haven't stepped up to somebody, or I haven't called somebody just because I was afraid of the response or because I was afraid that they didn't deserve it. Lord, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts right now and our spirits and that we will be drawn to your word and that when your word speaks to us, that we will, instead of running away, that we will step into it, we will respond to it in the right way so that none of us has a ray moment. I think, Father, that probably even this morning there are probably different ones who know of a coworker, who know of a child, who know of a parent, who know of a spouse, a sibling. 
that hasn't heard about you and needs to. And I pray that today that we would be impressed to take your word to them and recognize that it's not our battles to win or lose, but you're the one that's going to do the work. And it might take us, somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else, and somebody else. But eventually, Father, we pray that they would step into that and they would respond wholeheartedly to your word. And I think even today, Father, it's not just about us going out and sharing our testimony, but I think there are people even here today standing that are in those times of doubts or distress or depression where they feel like no one's listening and no one cares. And today, your word wants to speak into their life and says, I love you, I value you, you've got a lot to serve and a lot to do, and I think you're worth it. And I pray that those who are afraid to step in that today would accept that grace that you bestow. Because that grace is far greater than all of our sin. And that today we will have that assurance that we are loved and we are valued. So help us leave this place today remembering somebody, sharing with somebody, feeling loved ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, take your story to somebody this week. Leave with God, and we'll see you next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.